Hey guys, and welcome to the Pacing Racing Podcast, the Canadian triathlon podcast made in mind for the age group triathletes. Now, today's guest is pro triathlete Henry Skoman. Now, for those who may not know Henry yet, he's both an incredible ITU and Super League triathlete who was also the Commonwealth Games champion back in 2018, and he actually placed with a bronze medal in the 2016 Olympics for triathlon. Now, currently, Henry ranks second overall in the Super League and eighth overall in the World Triathlon Series. Now, he has an incredible list of accolades and just such a unique style of racing that is truly, truly incredible to watch. So I'm super happy to have him on today's show so we can get to pick his brain and learn some amazing tips from him. Now, in today's episode, we get to speak with Henry to discuss his race results from the World Triathlon Series Bermuda race, as well as his upcoming race, which is the World Triathlon Series Yokohama in Japan. Now, we also go over his race plans and tactics going into the 2020 Olympics and also his thoughts and experiences in the Super League Triathlon Series. Now, Henry also gives some great training advice and so much more, guys. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Now, let's cue the music. So the first sponsor of today's show is Stack Performance. Now, for those who haven't heard the Stack Performance, then definitely turn the volume and put down whatever you're doing because they're a brand that you should be seeing more and more of in the future as they're absolutely doing incredible state-of-the-art engineering with their indoor bike trainers and their virtual wind tunnel. So first off, not only are they supporters of Pacing Racing Podcast, but they're also supporters of some amazing triathletes like Cody Beals, Lauren Brandon, and Jackson Laundry. Now, what separates Stack from other indoor bike trainer brands is that they use magnets instead of flywheels on your rear wheel so that it ultimately is a silent smart trainer, which I mean is awesome if you're like me and you get a lot of your training done while your daughter goes down for a nap or even for people who live in condos or have neighbors close by. Now, I mean, what's cool about it is you can even turn on your TV and watch Netflix without having to crank your volume up to 50 just to hear the show over your bike trainer, which I think is a neat perk. The other thing that the trainer does is that it's compact and portable, so you can take it wherever you go. And what I enjoyed most about this is how it operated with Swift. Now, myself, along with Cody Beals and Jackson Laundry, are currently putting together a complete review video on it, so you can find out more about this in greater detail in the next coming weeks. So definitely be sure to keep an eye out on the Pacing Racing YouTube channel. Now, they also offer a chance to use their virtual wind tunnel to really hone in on your aerodynamics using the state-of-the-art 3D scanning, which has honestly been the biggest change on my bike positioning, which you'll see in that video. Now, I mean, without getting so detailed, because I'll leave that all for the video, but they give you a detailed report showing your drag factors with your bike position, and to really show how much this can make a difference, just by going there for an hour, I determined that I needed to change my saddle, reduce my stem length from 110 millimeters down to 90 millimeters, and I could benefit the most from dropping my handlebars height of a whopping 45 millimeters. Now, I mean, other big factors I could save time were, of course, changing my hydration system around and my wheel set. So, I mean, needless to say, this is something I think everyone should check out because it was probably the most beneficial thing I've done to maximize my performance in training. And the perk of being a virtual wind tunnel is that it's offered all across North America and Europe. So you can find a location near you and it's pretty easy because you just simply check out stackzero.com or you can search them on Instagram at stack underscore performance. And again, stack for you guys who don't know is spelled S-T-A-C and then it's underscore performance. So now today's second sponsor of the show is Scody. Now, by now I'm sure you've heard me pump up Scody quite a bit. And if you have, then that's good because that was exactly the goal because I mean, I really just want you guys to take notice of the Scody kits as you look around at your next race. 
Now, Scotty has helped me design a new 2019 pacing racing triathlon kit that I'll be wrapping at my upcoming races. So I'm super thrilled to show that off. And if you haven't seen it yet, you can definitely check that out on my Instagram. And that's at pacing.and.racing. Now, if you haven't seen this design yet, it's awesome. It's a turquoise on Navy design, has the pacing racing logo on the chest, and is absolutely my favorite triathlon kit concept. Now, I always did a ton of research whenever I'd buy something for a triathlon because, I mean, as we all know, it's an expensive sport. Now, what I've recognized is the most expensive product doesn't always mean it's the best product. And that's why I love the Scody brand. Now, they offer that same professional grade design and material, but offer in a price range that both you and I can afford as age group triathletes. And like I said, you'll get a ton of life out of their apparel because all of their equipment and their triathlon kits are professional grade. Wearing it, you won't chafe on long races or you won't find the typical wear and tear like many of the cheaper products do that are on the market today. Now, if you want to go ahead and check them out, you can find them on Instagram by searching at Scody AUS and that's spelled S-C-O-D-Y A-U-S. Or you can check out the website at www.scody.com forward slash pacing and racing and use the coupon code PACE and RACE for 10% off. And lastly, if you guys use Facebook, then you can search them by searching Scody Australia. So Henry, welcome to the Pace Racing Podcast, man. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I uh, look forward to chatting to you all about triathlon and... Uh, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm good, man. Awesome. I mean, again, thanks so much for coming on the show. You're obviously a very busy guy, so it means a lot that you took the time today to come on and talk. And now, I mean, first off, before we get into everything, sort of uh, how's things been on your end lately? Like, you just got back from Bermuda, I guess, not too long ago, and, and you'll be heading to Japan in about less than a week's time. So, I mean, I can assume you haven't had much downtime, eh? Yeah, that's right. So, got back from Bermuda, and <clears throat> I'm actually in the middle of uh, moving houses so when i got back from bermuda i literally went straight to my old place taking boxes um putting it in storage and yeah it's been quite a busy week when i got back from bermuda <laughs> while trying to recover from jet lag and get into some training but um yeah it's been pretty good it's uh it's a little bit of a busy time uh, of my life right now but uh rather now than next year during the olympics but um yeah, otherwise, the training has gone really well. So the last 10 days or so has been like rock solid, very consistent training that I've, I'm really happy with. So I'm really looking forward to racing Yokohama, which will hopefully be a lot better than Bermuda. Um, in Bermuda, there, there was just no spark. I don't know. It was I felt good. Training had gone well. I had good vibes. And on the, on the race day, I just there was nothing, no spark, nothing special. So just kind of went through the motions. So I was kind of disappointed with that. I was really looking forward to having a good result. But um, yeah, hopefully I can change that in Yokohama. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Right? No, like you said, I, I think you just being so busy may might have just been like you might have not been in the, the right zone, right? Like obviously we know you still had a, a pretty phenomenal result. But I mean, I know you know that there's so much more to give. So I'm excited to see that in Yokohama because you're exactly right. And I mean, first of all, I'm honored that you chose, I mean, on your few rare days off that you came on the Pace Racing Podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm very happy about that. So, super pumped. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's <laughs> all, all good. And uh, yeah, it's uh, like you said, um, could have been a better result. But um, yeah, considering everything that's been going on, um, yeah, you learn from every experience. So, um, hopefully I can take something from this going forward. 
Yeah. And you know what? I think that's great that all the age group triathletes out there can hear that because even the professionals, even the best of the best in the world, they still have their, I want to guess I say off days where you have more to give, but you're just not able to give it on that race day. And and that happens to the best of the best. So it's something that's normal part of the sport, right? I mean, it's a very demanding yeah. sport. So it's good to hear that. So Perfect. So let's, uh, let's dive in. Uh, let's go back a little bit. I mean, before we sort of talk about the world triathlon series and we get into the super league and, and the Olympics, let's, uh, let's start back into your early triathlon career first. I mean, now you didn't always plan to be a triathlete, I guess, correct? Like it sounded like originally you wanted to pursue going to the Olympics through swimming. Yeah, that's right. So um, way back, actually, it started off with swimming um, with my uh, current coach now still, Alistair Hatfield with the swimming coach. Um, and um, we did, me and my brother, we did many different sports together. Um, <clears throat> we did la- uh, surf lifesaving, which was really great for learning a lot of different skills, um, learning water, open water skills, different currents in the ocean. Um, I did a lot of cross country when I was in uh, primary school and even tried my, my, my hand in cricket and hockey and things like that. So uh, once I got into high school, I got into um, some serious swimming. I, I got older and I, I wanted to try and specialize in swimming. I, I got pretty good. I was one of the best distance swimmers in my age group at the time in South Africa. And yeah, I, I was looking on an international stage, like trying to to be the best in my age group. I, I went to a couple um, international meets. One of them were, were in uh, the UK was like a British national champs and I fared pretty well like in my distance races I, I think I got about a top five and like an 800 freestyle and then yeah just like when I got to about 17 18 and just wasn't improving like I've got this small physique and build and I think swimming wasn't going to get me to the Olympics as much as I wanted to I had to make a decision and it was at that same time where I was doing triathlons for fun without any specific training and I did the national championships and I won that two years in a row and it was that second time where you know it kind of hit me and uh, swimming really wasn't going where I wanted it to be and I thought okay let me go full out a triathlon and let me see what I got. That's amazing and no it's incredible to hear really because obviously I guess that was a good move because now you're so successful in triathlon and sort of just to see where you've come is amazing. And, and that's great because it's a still a sport that you can still carry over your success from swimming too. Right. So that worked out really well, but now, I mean, I guess this is something that's, that's good for all age groupers to hear as well, because I mean, before all your big success in triathlon, it sounded like you had a little bit of a struggle or setback with injuries over, over a couple of years, right. That where you made that transition from swimming to triathlon. Now, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. It's uh it wasn't a, a great start to be honest. So um first of all, just going over to triathlon, I mean it's it was a big risk. Um I, I couldn't tell what was gonna happen, you know. I come from a good swimming background, now I'm going into triathlon and it's kinda like you're going in blind almost because you're not sure where you're gonna go, how things are gonna pan out. But yeah, I mean I, I went for it, I risked it and uh yeah, like I worked really hard and um I started doing some a few more races, I started pushing the running a little bit. Um, just to keep in mind, I, I didn't run while I was pushing for swimming. So like I missed out five years of running in my high school, in my teen years, call it. And now all of a sudden I'm trying to start running. And yeah, uh, yeah the wheels literally fell off. So I got stress fractures in both my shins at the same time. Um, at the time, you know, I knew nothing about it. I just thought, okay, it's pains, um, normal running pains that you're going to get. Uh, and 
it's like shin splints or whatever. And I just kept trying to push through it. And that was like the worst thing I could have done. And I made it so worse, so bad that eventually I couldn't even walk for like a week. It was just so sore. And that's when I saw a doctor and um, yeah, he advised uh, have some scans and whatever. And it turns out I had two stretch, stress fractures in the one tibia and one in the other. Um, so yeah, that was pretty hectic. And then uh, obviously forced rest and, yeah, just trying to get back into it. But, you know, it never really came. I, I, I always struggled with pains. Like I'd have one good day, I'd have three bad days kind of thing. So it just it felt like I was not getting anywhere until I entered into this mountain bike uh, off-road triathlon. And I took a tumble over the handlebars and shattered my collarbone. Um, that was kind of like where everything took a turn. Um, at the moment, I thought, you know, this is just it. It's um, there's everything over. Can't really recover from this. I've got all these injuries in my legs. Now I've got this uh, shattered collarbone. My swimming is going to go down. So it was a really tough time in my life. And thinking back at it now, it was actually a blessing in disguise because it gave me that six weeks forced rest off my legs. As it was about a f- even a few days after the operation, I actually got into the pool and started doing aqua jogging. And this is something that I neglected when I had these problems is focusing on the small little things just from in, in terms of strength in the feet, uh, strength in the lower legs, uh, strengthening the joints. So I did a lot of aqua jogging and also aqua jogging with my feet contacting the bottom of the pool. In this way, it strengthened my feet a lot. And um, by the time I started running, uh, it just... It was a struggle at first, but it progressively got better and better. And that was a turning point. And it took a few years where I still struggled with pains in my legs. But for the last two years, like I've been running without any pain and I've been pushing really hard. So uh, it just takes time. But yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been some dark days. That's incredible to hear. I mean, thanks for sharing that because a lot of a lot of age group athletes when they get into triathlon, like I mean, exactly like you said, you miss those five years, give or take five years in high school of that the the prime running right where uh, all these guys you're competing against probably had that. So I mean, you were coming from a, a disadvantage and and to have those injuries and overcome them was incredible to see where you are today. Now the the aqua jogging, which is really cool, is. Is that something you just did to sort of get yourself back into it? Or is this something you still might do today? Yeah, no, I, I still incorporate it today. I'm just learning back from how it helped me in the in the beginning. So at the time, you know, I wanted to just try and keep some sort of fitness and uh, and work going with the legs. Because obviously, I, I was also still spinning on the bike on the trainer. And I felt like it just wasn't enough. So I, I started aqua jogging and also running with my feet on the surface. And I found that was really strengthening my feet. Like if you run 30 minutes with your feet on the ground, your feet start cramping after 10 minutes. It's It works your feet muscles so much. So um, when I'm having an active recovery run day, I'll go and run in the pool just in terms of strengthening the feet and a little bit of active recovery. I, I think it's one of the best things you can do. Awesome. No, that's good to hear. And I guess because a big common issue that I guess a lot of uh, new triathletes have is when they try to increase their volume in running, that's a, a perfect common issue is, is they, they get injured in the run, I guess, more than anything. So that's a, that's a really cool little piece of a uh, piece of advice and to kind of hear someone else go through it and overcome it. So, I mean, that that's awesome. So now I guess 
let's uh, let's briefly talk about, I guess, your current rankings in the World Traveling Series and and sort of your your plans for the upcoming 2020 Olympics. Now, I mean, overall, how's the season been going like for you so far? Like, do you feel confident going ahead into this Yokohama Japan race? Yeah, going ahead into Yokohama, I feel really confident, um, especially with the training that I've just done in the last ten days. I think I can be quite confident about my fitness and where 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 I should be running and where I should be competing at. Of course, uh, I'm not too happy with the way the first two World Series races have gone. Going into Abu Dhabi, I feel like my fitness was lacking just a little bit, but I had some speed coming out of the Super League, so that kind of like helped with that and was a sprint race, so it wouldn't affect too much. And I had a decent result. I, I think I got seventh when I was actually racing for a medal. I just had some late surge and almost got a, a, a medal, but there were some guys who out sprinted me at the end. And Bermuda, yeah, it was just nothing special, but uh, I know there's a lot more that I can give. So hopefully it will come right in Yokohama, and I'm pretty confident uh, things will will go a lot better in, in the next few races. Awesome. No, that's very cool, man. And, and there's so many people super excited for that upcoming race in Japan. So, I mean, we're really looking forward to that. I yeah, can just, just on Yokohama, it's, uh, I, I've got a special memory there. So that was where I broke 30 minutes for 10K my, my first time in 2016. So it's a it's a it's a fast course, and um, I want to see if I can you know hopefully go better than that uh, this year. That's crazy. That's good to hear. Breaking that record, that's that's pretty incredible. Uh, sub thirty for ten k. That's awesome in that kind of a race. And and I mean, it sounds like twenty sixteen obviously was an incredible year for you, right? I mean, probably between just the Yokohama itself and the twenty sixteen Olympics. Yeah, yeah, twenty sixteen was quite a good year for me. Of course, with the Olympics, but it was also a big learning year and a year that I really kind of pushed my body to the limit. Just looking back, I've been thinking about how I trained for the Olympics in two thousand sixteen, and I will be like I'm honest with myself, and I don't think I've been training as hard as I, I did back in two thousand sixteen, and I think that's kind of like the thing that has changed just recently and i feel like i'm pushing harder than what i did before the 2016 olympics and that was why my running was just going so well i broke that sub 30 minutes uh run in a triathlon which was a a, a big goal of mine and leading into the olympics um yeah getting that medal which was just life-changing and you know one of my biggest dream that i've been as a child growing up so to be able to do that, it was uh, just incredible. And then follow that up with a, a world champion, a grand finale win in Cozumel. So it was a, a really um, exciting year for me. It was uh, life-changing. It changes the way that I look at racing. Um, obviously, more confident in myself and my abilities. And I think that that's one of the, the biggest things that I take with me into every race. For sure. Eh? And now, I mean, looking at the Olympics, when you when you received the bronze medal in 2016 did you expect yourself to get on the podium like that was your first time i think racing the olympics correct yeah first time at the olympics although it felt like i've been there before because with my brother being at two olympics prior to that um it felt like it's been part of our family for, right. for some time and uh, i went to watch my brother at the beijing 2008 olympics so yeah just to be involved with it and a, a part of it was uh was, was incredible and um to be on the inside of it. So that was a different take on it. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just incredible to represent your country at the highest level of racing is, uh, is amazing. So, and yeah, um, leading into that race, I knew that I trained 
harder than I'd ever before and possibly harder than a lot of my competitors. So I knew I was in the best shape of my life. And with the Rio course, I knew that it suited a, a smaller, lighter uh, person like myself. And with the heat also playing a bit of a factor was something that I really enjoyed coming. Living here in Durban, South Africa, it gets really hot in summers. So I was really looking forward to it. And I think a lot of people counted me out. So I was kind of like the underdog, which is also a way of racing that I like is when uh, someone counts me out, it kind of like fuels my fire even more. So um, yeah, I was really excited and motivated to, to, to do really well. And I believe that a medal was very possible if, you know, things went my way. And in the race, it actually didn't go my way. Um, I still remember getting into that first transition. I had a very good swim. And then out of all the races, I couldn't get my helmet fastened. Oh, no. It took me about <laughs> it took me about 10 seconds to do that and i was one of the last people leaving t1 from the first group so maybe call it about 25th or so and the first three k's of that bike i uh, had to redline it uh, i thought you know this is over but you know it it was actually at the top of that infamous hill that we got over uh that we had to get over 10 times it was at the top there that where the split actually happened. And by the time I got there, I was in the top nine or 10, however many people were in that breakaway. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, I count myself very lucky and uh, had a little bit of experience of how to, of how the guys push in the front to be able to catch up to them. So yeah, it, it wasn't all smooth sailing, but from there it was just gritting my teeth, getting over the hill, getting over that bike and um, yeah, just surviving the race. Um, and yeah, it was quite exciting when you, when you're running into fourth place and it's at your Olympic games and, uh, you think that's so incredible. And then you, you pass, I passed Vincent Louis at that time into the third spot wow. and it was just, uh, yeah, the, your, your, your mind goes crazy. Yeah. I, I had goosebumps like running down my spine. It was, <laughs> it was just such an amazing moment, but you, I, I still had like seven and a half Ks to run and I knew that I had to just try and be as calm as possible and focus on just getting to the finish line and, and not getting too excited about it. Right. Uh, there's a lot of things that can still go wrong. It's hot. Um, you can cramp easily. You can dehydrate. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. So just focused on getting to the line. And it was that last hundred meters where I knew that the medal was mine. And that's when I was just celebrating. And uh, it was just an, an amazing moment. Awesome, man. I, I mean, so cool to hear you describe that in, in your feelings around it because I mean, that's probably what's on so many people's mind, especially as they watch the Olympics, right? Like what's going through the mind of that, that athlete as they, as they win that podium or as they can sort of feel that they're about to win that podium finish. So, I mean, that's really cool. And, and I mean, now, of course I can assume that the Olympics is this, this year for you would be your priority number one. So, I mean, looking at, I guess, South Africa, like how do you get an Olympic qualification based off is it like based off your world triathlon series rankings or like what does South Africa tend to go by? Yeah. So we, uh, South Africa just go by, if you make the, the Olympic uh, qualification criteria cut, uh, then you qualify. So we don't really have like a race where you've got to be top eight or top three to qualify. Um, as long as we get that Olympic qualifying, uh, cut, which is top 25, uh, on the Olympic ranking, then they will send us. Um, at the moment, uh, I'll be honest, I don't know exactly where I am, but I think I'm definitely top 15. Um, so I think I'm sitting very well at the moment. And 
uh, yeah, I just need to make sure that I'm consistent in the next year. Uh, and if, if I can just stay consistent and perform, well, I'm pretty confident I can perform really well. So as long as I, you know, just perform the way I need to, then I'll, I'll easily qualify, which will be brilliant. Exactly. No, that's perfect, man. And we'll obviously we'll all be rooting for you to, to head to the Olympics. So that's, that's going to be really cool. And, and I mean, let's, uh, let's switch up a little bit and let's talk a bit about your super league experience now. I mean, um, like uh, we've been super fortunate on this podcast to speak with a lot of the super league triathletes and it's just, it's been such an incredible style of racing that we've been able to watch now. So it's super exciting, um, for fans to watch. And I mean, now what's your sort of take on the super league of, I mean, of course it might not be your main focus until after the, the Olympics are over, but is that a series that you can see yourself putting a lot of focus on? Yeah, definitely. I think the Super League is really taking the world by storm. It's uh, it's really game-changing. So uh, w- what's really great about it is that um, there's a lot of coverage of it here in South Africa. And I get a lot of uh, comments and a lot of people telling me how they enjoy Super League. And they've never watched a triathlon before that. Uh, they don't know what triathlon is about but they've seen Super League and they love it. So <laughs> there's been a lot of good comments and, you know, that's great. I think if you can expose um, triathlon to people in any way, um, it, it, it's great. It, it's going to build the sports in a, in a good way. So um, there's a lot of traction with it. There's a lot of entertainment with it. And personally, I think it's great. I, I love the the type of racing that Super League offers. I think it's for the very versatile athlete that can uh who can excel in all three disciplines and if you have a weakness it's really going to show in this racing so it's for the very well-rounded athletes and i think that's great for triathlon because if you're a well-rounded athlete you're going to be you're always going to be up there so if you've only got a strong run um you're not going to do well in super league if you've only got a strong swim you're also not going to do well um you've got to be good in all three disciplines. In fact, four disciplines, including the tra- the um, transition, uh, because it's just so short and fast. You every second counts. Um, so I think it's great. And for me, that it's at the end of a season or in the beginning of the season, it's great fun. Like just to get involved with it. So at the end of the season, it's it's really great fun just to be around a lot of other athletes. There's a good vibe. Um, Within all the athletes that are competing, we look we, we get looked after really well by Super League, and uh, we're in like iconic destinations. So I mean, it's it's really fun, and and you can if it's in the beginning of the the season, you can use it to fine tune a little bit of transitions or you know accelerating out of transition, um, you know practicing getting getting to the front, uh, working straight on as soon as you get onto the bike. Um, so there's a lot of little things that you can work on and, and fine tune for, for just, a for the tr- traditional triathlon. Exactly. No, you said it, you said it perfectly. Like it's, it's such a fun sport for spectators to watch. Right. And just to sort of connect with the, the athletes in sort of a different perspective, because I love that it's more sort of like a, um, a, like they have it in iconic destination. So it makes it super enjoyable to go watch and experience. And, it just looks amazing to be there. And like, there's just so many cool things about it. And of course you obviously have competed with a lot of those athletes because a lot of them carry over from the ITU series. And I mean, what's nice about it is the super league and the ITU have sort of both worked on trying to separate race schedules overall so that they can see 
get the most out of both having super elite triathletes that are also ITU triathletes. So, I mean, that's a good sign itself that it's heading in the right direction. Right. And you said it perfectly being in between your seasons. I think it's a perfect way of uh, rather than having to try to, I mean, double your load, I guess, with extra racing in your prime race season. So, I mean, that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think it's great that the ITU and super league are working together because you know, if they didn't think about the timing of the races, we'd kind of just burn ourselves out, basically. So to space it out nicely is is one of the biggest things. And um, all the athletes want to be involved because there's just so much money involved as well. And, um, you know, it's it, it's great because you can also kind of start making a living from it. Yeah. And you know what? And that's huge. And and I've talked to a few people about that. And, and that's one of the nice things about the Super League, right? Is uh, the prize money at the end. And I mean, at the end of the day, like you guys all as professional triathletes, like that's your, that's your full-time work, right? Like, so it's good to have that option as well on the side of your own, uh, say if you're an ITU triathlete or if you're a, an Ironman triathlete. So it's always great to see that there's extra out there because yeah, at the end of the day, like you, you guys need to make some money too, because that's uh, you guys putting in so many hours of training. So I mean, that's always good to see. And I, I love to see that it kind of makes it more competitive too, right? Having a big prize money at the end. So no, that's really cool. And now, I mean, looking at all the sort of different race formats they have in the Super League, like between the Enduro or the Triple Max and all those, like which is probably your most favorite or, or strongest that you find um, to race? I really enjoy the, the Triple Max. I think that's something that the, the other athletes don't enjoy too much. And it's really difficult to try and, mix it up so if if you starting off with a run then cycling and then swimming it's the hardest thing in the world to jump in that water and try and move your arms <laughs> so it's it, it's it's quite fun in a way uh it's a challenge for me to see how i can create a gap to the other guys because i know i'm a strong swimmer um and and try and use that as a advantage for me um or, or try and get a gap and then also it's really difficult to even try and train for something like that because how do you train your body um, to get blood in the arms after you've been running and cycling and get blood in the arms straight away for, for 300 meter swim. It's just, <laughs> you can't really train your body. So it's basically just on um, talent and how you can deal with it in the moment. And uh, yeah. And I think the, the Enduro is also something I quite like is the longer it's stretched out, um, the better that I get. So um, that's also something that I quite like. And also the time trials is something I, I, I quite fancy. Is nothing better than a competitive time trial. <laughs> For sure, eh? No, and that's, you know, it's it's hilarious that you said the triple mix because I think out of every other Super League triathlete I've spoken to, that's probably been their least favorite. So so it's funny <laughs> that you said that that's your uh, most favorite. That, that's awesome. So that gives you a good advantage on the course. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And, now, I mean, looking at, like we just said, all the courses are in iconic destinations. Now, um, as far as all the courses go, do you have a favorite in terms of like the course layout and also like the crowd and the, and the atmosphere of the race? Um, I think Malta for two reasons. Uh, first reason, I got engaged there with my fiance last year. Um, so that was a really uh, spectacular moment. And secondly, the course is brutal. <laughs> so, the tougher the course, the more I like it. And uh, there's one, there's one big hill on that. You basically go up and you come down with a little bit of a, a flat at the bottoms, and you just keep going around that that course, and you even run up there. So that's something I really like. Um, br- the more brutal, the better. 
Awesome. No, that's really cool. And hey, hey that makes a lot of sense to, I, I could see why you like Malta because that, that's amazing. Those are two good, two very valid reasons. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, uh, so let's, uh, I mean, looking at the training perspective, I guess, for the Super League, does it change a lot from when you're training for, say, the Olympics or the ITU style of racing, or is it all pretty similar? Um, it's, it kind of comes at a good time. So after the, after the, the World Triathlon Series season, um, you're kind of finishing off with very high intense work uh, for the last race, uh, the World Champs. And for Super League, you need like some high intensity training and and um and i think it works out quite well if throwing super league in the beginning of the year has been quite a struggle especially with singapore this year because you you need a little bit of intensity um training it's like kind of like a speed endurance thing that you need because you need the endurance over two days plus if you if you're doing the three races on a day it still needs some endurance but it's speed like it's intense so you need that speed and endurance um, so at the end of the year, it actually works out really well with a lot of the athletes because you're getting in that intensity for the world champs and to basically fine tune, uh, you know, th- there's not much that you can really change unless it's basically getting onto the bike and going max out for five minutes or so. It's kind of something that you need to get used to, or, um, just a little bit of leg turnover for the run, uh, just to get a little bit quicker, um, run a few seconds per K faster or um, really speeding up your transitions. I think that's like the only things you can really um, fine-tune for Super League. If you're racing, say, Malta, um, surely you can go and find a, a 300-meter heel and, and, and just do some reps and you know um, you get used to pushing out some watts on, on, on a hill. So, I mean, that's kind of like the only things you can really do. But what I found is that um, I've worked on some technical skills, which has really helped me on the bike. Um, that's something that has really helped me, uh, after my first race in Jersey last year, uh, for the rest of the super league series. Awesome. No, that, that's really cool. Yeah. I always, I always wanted to see, um, how triathletes ch- change their training or if they do change their training when it comes to super league or compared to the ITU style. So no, that's really cool. And, and I mean, now speaking right now, it's, it's sort of peak season for the ITU and like, what's your typical training week look like? I mean, last week you just said you, or this week, sorry, you just got through a pretty rigorous training session. So like, what's your sort of training look like the past week? Has it been a lot of long distance, low intensity, or is there a lot of high intensity or like sort of what's your thoughts on that? So the last week I had quite a running specific week. It was almost hard running every day. So you can just imagine how hard that can be. Um, so we're putting an emphasis on the quality running and not so much with uh, the swim and bike. The swim and bike was more for recovery and getting time in because um, it's the running where things really matter in a race and something that I, I still need to keep working on. Um, so it's been quite a, a tough week in terms of being close to the, my body and, and making sure that I'm staying injury free with no niggles coming about. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just running hard every day is, it's tough. It's, it's hard. Um, the last day was actually, it was was tough mentally just to try and get out on the track and and do some, do the work, but it ended off uh, brilliantly. It ended off uh, with PBs. So I've been really happy with that. So yeah, like I said, it was quality on the running and with longer endurance quality as well. 
um, in between. So it was kind of well balanced. And uh, yeah, the swimming and cycling was just there for active recovery and time. Awesome. So that's cool. And it's cool to hear that you will switch up your training, I guess, depending on what you feel needs the most work at that time. So it's, it's sort of an always evolving type of training plan by the sounds of it. Yeah, I've done this, uh, this type of week before. Um, and I've had really good results when I've, when I've done this type of week. I can't do it very often, obviously, because it's just so um, intense, but it really gets me into shape um, like in, in, in some really good shape. So, uh, I, I'll probably do it maybe once or, or twice in a year, uh, maybe three times, depending on how injury wise and how strong my body is feeling. Um, but leading bef- into this, my, I've had good signs from my body. So we, we went, went ahead and, and, and got this done and yeah, I'm really happy I did and, uh, really confident for the race coming up. Cool, man. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. And it's great to hear that there's some good quality training in there that that's always a, a great feeling after the fact, right now. I mean, yeah. looking, looking, I guess, at your uh, nutrition um, aspect when it comes to in on course nutrition, um, what's sort of your strategy or is there a strategy for like um, uh, Gatorade or water intake or like gels or anything like that? Like, um, I mean, I guess it depends on what type of style of triathlon you're racing, but do you have a system in place you tend to follow or how's it work? Yeah, um, I kind of have a system in place. It's it. I'm still learning as as I'm going on, but gen, I've got a general rule that uh, if it's Olympic distance race, I try and intake two gels. If it's a sprint distance race, I make sure that I take one gel. Um, depending on the heat, depending on how cold it is, might. So if it's colder, you might need a few more calories, so uh, might take a little bit more. Or and if it's very hot, you sometimes don't need you need to get in those electrolytes and the sodium. So uh, depending on the, the type of gel, it depends on the, the weather as well. And yeah, and before the race, I have like a normal ritual that, you know, uh, eat about four hours before the race. My last big meal, I eat like some bread and some banana two hours before. I eat a little um, nutritional bar one hour before. And yeah, that has kind of worked well for me. So um, just keep it simple. Um, I have a juice and a water on my bike, uh, a juice with like nutritional supplement and water just, you know, if you need some water or squirt on you, if, if it gets quite hot. So yeah, just keep it simple. Cool, man. Yeah, no, that's good to hear it. And that's, I guess that's the main thing, right? It could, it could become so complex. So it's good to keep it simple. And, and I mean, just trying to find out what works for you. So no, that's really cool. And, and I mean, like, I guess, even though you've already made such a name for yourself in triathlon, but you still have like so many years left in the sport ahead of you. Right. So uh, now do you ever see it being a possibility that you move up into like a longer distance than the Olympics, like the 70.3 or the full distance of like an Ironman style of racing, or is it like the, the super league and the ITU sort of where your heart's at? At the moment, um, ITU and super league is definitely where my heart's at. Before super league came about, I thought I was going to be transitioning into some 70.3s um, about now. But with Super League, I kind of want to hold that back just for some time, uh, maybe a few years, just so that I can get as much out of Super League as I can. Um, I feel that I'm a very good competitor competitor for it. Um, so, yeah, I just want to try and keep my speed. I, I feel it's very beneficial for um, Olympic distance racing as well. So I'm going to try my hand at these two um, distances at the moment. Maybe after the Olympics, I'll throw in 
throw in a 70.3 or something, give it a go. But I'm really, I'm still, um, I've still got a passion for uh, non-drafting and the longer distances. So I definitely still want to try my hand at that at some time. But uh, for now, just not yet. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, that's cool to hear too, right? Like you said, the, with the Super League coming out, that that's a big game changer for a lot of people. So that's it's always cool to see that. And that's just such a fun, I mean, it's a lot more fun for a spectator to, to see a Super League race, right? Than a, a long a long distance race. So, I mean, that's always cool to see from the from that perspective of, of a spectator. Yeah, yeah. So oh, that's really yeah, you cool. get about, yeah, you get like um, almost two hours of entertainment out of that. And it's just, short sharp racing every time so it's uh yeah i think it's great for the spectators perfect awesome and and now i mean let's uh wrap it up and talk about some i guess training tips for the age group athletes out there so for those who want to try super league race i I know super league now is incorporating a lot of age group races so is is there anything that you could recommend that they focus their training on like um like you said is, is a more higher intensity shorter distance workouts or is it just sort of keep on doing whatever you're doing, if you're training for ITU or you're training for um, longer distance? Yeah, well, the, the thing is, um, you want to train faster than what you race. So if you're doing now shorter distances, you kind of want to do some faster intervals. Uh, decrease the, the time of the interval, but try and get faster than your race pace. Uh, and yeah, you can only get faster than your race pace if you have a shorter interval. So try and do um, shorter intervals at a faster pace. That that's normally a good way to get that leg turnover or arm turn turnover, whatever it is, in the water or on the track or on the road. It, it's a good way to pick up your speed, but you know, always be mind mindful and careful of overdoing it. So um, just build into it slowly, um, slowly increase the the number of reps that you're doing. Um, but that is one way to get faster is to train faster than you race, and you can only do it with shorter intervals. Uh, another thing is um, with Super League, a big thing is on transition. And I think a lot of the age groupers aren't very conscious about having a fast transition. So that's something that they can try and work on. I'm sure, like I know a lot of the guys put on socks for running or they might tie their shoelaces uh, before they go out on the run, you know, things like that. Or even onto the bike, they they put their shoes on first and then they run with the bike and then they clip in. like it's a good thing to maybe keep your shoes clipped in on the bike with elastics holding it perfect. So you can just jump your bike, slip your feet in or on the run, you know, get some elastics and uh, put some elastics through your shoes so that you can just slip it on and, and maybe in training, just try that out and run without socks on and see how it feels. Um, because I know your feet are also very sensitive in the beginning if you don't run with socks and especially when you're quite, uh, wet with your feet uh, sweating or you're know, running out of a ocean with your feet full of sand it's going to cause some friction when you when you start running or cycling so just get used to it first one thing is you can put a bit of baby powder in your shoes it keeps your feet kind of dry or you can also put a little vaseline um, on the edges of your shoe just to make it slip in a lot easier and maybe reduces a bit of the the friction so yeah, those are some tips that you can use for Super League. Wow, that's actually really cool. I, I like those tips a lot. That's uh, Those are some tips I've actually never heard before. So that's really cool. I, I like the uh-huh. idea with the, the Vaseline and, and the, the baby powder too. So, oh, that's awesome. And I mean, 
now this, this next question, I guess it's, it's a little bit of a broad question because there's just so much to it. But I mean, um, of course, you have a background for being one of the top swimmers out there on the circuit. So I figured it's a great question to ask you. But for as far as an age grouper goes, who either come from running or cycling background, and they're just simply trying to improve their swimming, like, um, are there any tips you could recommend to help them sort of improve their swimming? Like, are there certain key drills that they can do or should do or like focus on? Um, or is it just simply like picking up a lot of volume and time in the water or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, unfortunately swimming is, is something that's not part of our daily routine. So it's one of the hardest things to pick up, especially if you haven't come from a, a background of swimming. So it's, I'm going to put it straightforward is you, you have to spend more time in the water. It's just simple like that. You're going to have to get used to the feel of the water, get that pull right. Um, Water is so dense, so your technique, it, it matters a lot on technique. And the more your technique is out, the more drag you're going to have in the water. And the more your hips sink, the more drag you're going to have. So if you can improve these things, you're going to move through the water a lot better and more efficiently. What I, what I do to um, help with the hip sinking is um, use a pool boy, swim with a pool boy, and you get used to the feeling of having your, your hips up. And when you take the pool boy out, you want to try and keep your body in that same position. Um, once you start getting a bit better, or if you find you're on that like borderline of your hips just dropping, try swimming with a band, um, something that kind of puts your feet together and swim with a band and try and keep your hips up and then swim without the band and you'll, you'll feel how easy it is. Um, that, that's one great tool of, uh, to improve your, your hips dropping in the water. It's also swimming with a band or a pool boy is really good for arm strength, especially in triathlon. Um, you want to use your arms more than anything else in a triathlon. You don't want to be leg dominant. You, you want to save that for, for the bike and run. Um, so the more pulling you do, the stronger your arms will be and the more efficient you'll be in a triathlon. Open water swimming is also quite hectic on your, on your upper body strength because you're always trying to get your head out of the water. Um, you're using a lot of energy in your in your upper arms and body, so pulling is also great for that. Uh, the stronger you have your arms, uh, the better swimmer you'll be in a triathlon. And yeah, I mean technique. Just there are some drills, but I think a, a good tip of advice will be maybe joining a, a swim squad or like a, a masters swim squad or a triathlon group. It's always great learning from others and having someone uh, look over you and 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 monitor and, and um, maybe correct your, your stroke and see what you're doing wrong or what you're doing right and um, improve on the areas where you can. I think that's always great for, for anyone starting out with triathlon or, or seeking improvements. I think that's uh, the best way to go about it. Awesome. No, that's incredible. That's a lot of really good tips. And I think a lot of people could take those tips and actually apply those in the pool at the next training session or out in the open water. So no, that's awesome. And and I mean, uh, when it comes to pacing, I guess this is always a, a common question. Like now I know in the longer distances, like Ironman style of racing, they, a lot of the triathletes out there will base it off either certain tools, like a, a heart rate monitor or, or a certain wattage or even perceived effort. But now with the super league in the Olympics, I'm sure it's much more different. Um, I guess because it's more shorter and, and more intense. So how does it work in those in the super league or the an Olympic style of distance? Now, are you, are you pacing or does it just depend on who's around you? And it's a matter of sort of staying in packs in order to draft and, and everything like that. Yeah, it's, it's pacing to a certain degree. So, I mean, of course you want to stay with the front of the race or stay with the race. If your heart rate, heart rate spikes 
and the guys are attacking, you can't really just sit up and let your heart rate go down. You have to follow it. So it's, it's, uh, you need to stay in the race. And that's uh, the style of our racing is your heart rate's going to be sparking up and down in and out of the corners when people are attacking. Um, so yeah, you want, you want to be the fittest guy out there. I think that put it as simple as that. So whether, whether you, so if you staying in front of the race and you, um, if you're fitter than everyone else, you're going to be going easier than everyone else and then just leave it for the, then you'll have more energy on the run and, and, um, take it from there. So yeah, it, it's a completely style of racing. And, uh, for me, in the swimming, I can sometimes get into a nice rhythm. Um, if I'm not leading the race, I'll slot into like a a second or third position and um, just kind of go as easy as I can. If I'm in the front, I'll try and push the pace just to try and create a gap for a breakaway. But um, yeah, it all depends how you feel. I mean, some days are different. Uh, your form is better on some days than others. So if I'm having a really good day, I, I always try and be aggressive. I try and, you know, um, put some guys in, in a bit of hurt or create a bit of a gap. Um, yeah, but uh, other other days, I'm um, like Bermuda. I was just kind of going with the flow. I just didn't really have anything special. So it's always different. And there's always different athletes that are, you know, um, feeling great or some not feeling that good. So you've always just got to keep your eye on the game and uh, just be ready for anything. For sure. No, that's cool. And I guess that's one of the beauties of racing like a super league style or the ITU. It's, it's so much more, there's so many tactics involved in racing that it's uh no, it's really cool to hear. And it, yeah, I always had that question about, um, I guess pacing, but at the end of the day, you're right. Like you can't necessarily just follow heart rate, right? Because, or you can't just follow one method because it has to be pretty dynamic to go along with the dynamic style of racing. So no, that's, that's very cool. And, and now, I mean, let's, uh, Wrap it up, I guess, with this question here. Um, looking at your diet overall, I, I know uh, I know we spoke about on-course nutrition, but keeping it brief, I guess, because it's also another very big topic, but are there any key components to your day-to-day diet that you're able to share or recommend with other triathletes that sort of work for you? Like, um, how do you find that balance of like getting enough fuel for your body, but also avoiding like overeating or weight gain? Uh, it is a bit of a, a balance, like you said. Um, I try and I try my best with, getting in the right nutrients that I need. Um, I make sure I get all my my vegetables, my proteins, my fats, um, even my little treats. So yeah. um, I think, yeah, well, well-balanced diet is always the way to go. I mean, like you said, it's a fuel for your body. So you you need to put in the right, the right stuff. You don't want to always be putting in the wrong stuff. Uh, for me, it, it's, it's quite weird, but Carbs don't really work that well for me. I'm not a big fan on pasta or I do like to treat myself to a pizza every now and then. But um, yeah, I focus on proteins and fats. I think that's where my energy comes from. Awesome, man. No, that's really cool. And yeah, like like you said, everyone's going to be different at some point, right? So that's that's cool to hear. And I guess the main thing, right? Like the whole foods, eating eating healthy and just getting that, uh, getting what you need, I guess is the main thing. So no, that's, that's really yeah. cool. And uh, I guess let's look at your race schedule going forward now. Like, do you have all your races planned out for the rest of 2019 or what's it look like going from here? Yeah, I've got the the plan pretty much mapped out. It's, yeah, the World Series. I was planning to have a, a bit of a camp in Boulder, USA, in between the two Canadian races, but I kind of pulled back on that. I'm going to um, rather 
go to Montreal and, and, and fly to Hamburg, race Hamburg, um, and then come back home. So I'm coming back home pretty much after every race, um, spend a little bit more time at home. I feel training is always better in a comfortable environment. Um, whenever I go overseas for a long period of time, my performance starts to drop. And I think I, I need to think of a new way of getting around this. So it's a little bit more traveling in and out, but um, it has worked in the past. So I'm going to give that a go again. And uh, yeah, I got the Tokyo test event coming up, which I'm really looking forward to, which is uh, hopefully, you know, it's, do it as best I can and hopefully it works out so I have a, a kind of set plan for next year. Otherwise, I'll have to relook at things if it doesn't really work out that well. But I'm going to Phuket in Thailand purely for the heat and a similar time zone. So <laughs> I've been there three times before. It's really it's a really hot place. Um, I, I do like it as well. Um, and uh, yeah, and then the Super League season after World Champs. So that's always something interesting and something to look forward to. And I'm also getting involved with the Beijing triathlon again, the international Beijing triathlon. So that's something I always love to race as well. And uh, hopefully I can try and get that title again that I had in 2017. Awesome, man. No, it seems like a really good season. It seems like you're going to be traveling all over the world. So <laughs> that's uh, that's really cool. And we're all looking forward to the season ahead. So that's amazing. And and I guess if you want, if you're up for it, if you got time, let's uh, do a one-minute Q&A fire round. Well, I'll try and get in as many questions as I can in one minute, and we'll see how many we can get through. Are you in for that? Okay, cool. Yeah, let's go. All right, so I'm just going to start the timer here, and uh, we'll get started. So what's your favorite race distance? Uh, Olympic distance. Now, what's your go-to pre-race breakfast? Uh, oats. Perfect. And... What's one race you have always wanted to do, but you haven't done yet? Uh, 70.3 Nice. Oh, cool. Now, uh, what's the most beautiful place you've traveled? Um, well, that's a, that's a really difficult one. I've been to some beautiful places, but I think Bahamas. <laughs> awesome. No, that's really cool. And now, uh, I mean, aside from yourself, who do you think is a big up-and-comer in the sport that we should be looking out for? Uh, Hayden Wild. Cool. Now, uh, do you ever use Swift or have you ever done any Swift racing? No, never. I've, I want to, but yeah, never got into it yet. Perfect. No, that's cool. And uh, last question, who's your biggest inspiration or influence in triathlon or one of them? Uh, you probably have quite a yeah, few. So ha- yeah, Javier Gomez, um, since I've been growing up and Michael Phelps when I was swimming. Awesome. Oh, cool. No, it makes a lot of sense. And cool, man. That, that's it, man. That, uh, that wraps it up. But yeah, I can obviously keep going all day, but I'm sure you got a busy yeah. rest of the day planned. So <laughs> won't keep you here any longer. But um, lastly, do you have any sponsors this year that you want to give shout outs to or any coaches or training partners or anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, I need to give praise to my coach. Um, some people may know, some people don't, but my coach is my dad, Joe Schumann. And, uh, yeah, he's been there from the beginning. Um, you know, he's got me through from nobody to somebody. And I think he deserves a lot of praise for what he's done. His work is truly inspiring and and hard work. (laughs) A lot of people just turn their backs on it because it's just, it's really tough work. But, um, yeah, he's got me to where I am today and I think he deserves a lot of praise. So I'll give a lot of credit to my dad, um, for the coaching. And, uh, yeah, I've got some, some sponsors that have always backed me from the beginning. Really love to stay loyal. It's, it's great people that I love to work with. It's almost like a family. Um, Finis swimming equipment, 
from uh, California, Kube Design Wetsuits with Dino also picked me up when I was no one. And uh, yeah, we've worked such a strong relationship and um, been together. I'm, I'm one of his lo- longest athletes that he's had. So that's really inspiring oh, wow. as well. Yeah. Um, Swift Carbon Bikes, awesome bike. Um, Essex, uh, South Africa. Uh, they've been really good to me, really um, like a family almost now. Um, and uh, yeah, got a Oakley, Oakley Global. Um, Ceramic speed, eastern, eastern uh, wheels, uh, parts, uh, shawl bay tires, super grippy stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah. Thanks to all of those guys. Awesome, man. No, that's really cool, and and you got some great sponsors there, and obviously they're um, just lucky to have you as you are to them. So that's uh, it's really cool to hear. And and I mean, lastly, for those who don't already follow you, where's the best place that they can find out more about you and, and follow you this year through your racing? Yeah, Instagram is pretty good. Um, just Henry Skuman. Uh, I'm pretty active over there. Love pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, they can follow me traveling around the world racing. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, they'll probably see me most on Instagram, Twitter. They'll also find me. And yeah, Facebook page. Cool, buddy. No, perfect. That's awesome. Again, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. And uh, we'll be sure to connect another time. But other than that, uh, best of luck going into Yokohama. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And really appreciate that. And yeah, it's been a great chat. For sure, man. Take care. Eh? You too. Cheers. Well, guys, there you have it. Henry Skoman has an amazing story and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to his tips and his advice and definitely be sure to follow him throughout the next couple of years because I really think he's going to be a big name to watch out for. Now, thanks so much, guys. And thanks so much for sharing all that, Henry. And I'm so glad we could have you on the show. Now, guys, if you want to hear more podcasts like these, then hit that subscribe button and you can follow me on Instagram at pacing.and.racing. And you can also check us out on YouTube by searching Pacing and Racing. And lastly, if you did like this episode, then please take two minutes to leave a kind review on the podcast channel as this helps us get heard by more listeners through the iTunes podcast platform algorithms. Other than that, guys, that's it for now. We'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.